David Benedict. Both have new albums recently released. And as always, there will be some new releases that have come into the station and probably a few tracks from my old Bluegrass LP collection. So please join me Thursday, October 25th from 8 to 10 p.m. for another very special Bronze Wound. And it'll all be right here on Community Radio. That's WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor, and streaming online at WERU.org. See you Thursday. Support for WERU comes from our listeners and from George Stevens Academy, welcoming students to discover their world. More information at georgestevensacademy.org. We got about 25 seconds before 10 o'clock. Uh, let's talk animals time. In that time, let me take a quick look at the forecast. Sunny today with a high near 44. Northwest winds 11 to 16, gusts as high as 30. Tonight, mostly clear with a low around 27. Northwest winds around 11. And Friday, sunny with a high near 44. West winds 9 to 11. A little bit of chance of rain on Saturday and snow on Saturday. So look forward to that. Let's talk animals. Good morning. This is Dr. John Hunt, your host for Let's Talk Animals from Aardvarks to Zebras. This is our once a month live show every fourth Thursday at 10 a.m. And today we are live. I want to remind my uh, listeners that next month, uh, next the next uh, Thursday, fourth Thursday in November is Thanksgiving. And I will be home with my family like you will be. So we will have an encore performance. I'm planning on having the encore performance um, the show about turkeys we did last year with uh, Brad Allen, the wildlife biologist. is very entertaining and very informative. I think it's very appropriate. Uh, the other thing I want to always, I'm always hawking my other show on Sunday at 730 in the morning. It's called Pet Sounds. been doing that almost eight years. It's a short, about two to three minutes. Uh, I've covered all sorts of topics. Uh, so those of you who are up at that time, I'd love to have you listen. If you're not, you can always go into the archives. Uh, lots of different topics. But today, uh, again, we're live. I want to make sure that everyone knows what phone number to call because I think we're getting a lot of questions uh, today. It's 469-207-469-0500, 469-0500 to call in anytime you want, need to. But today we're talking about fostering cats. We have, uh, I have two guests today. One is uh, Pam Hamsbury. She's the director of the Forgotten Felines of Maine. And we have Amber Harvey, who is one of the fostering parents that lives in Bucksport. So good morning to both of you. Good morning. First question I always ask is how you got here from there. So Pam, how did you get involved with the uh, Forgotten Felines? Well, it started about over 30 years ago. I was living in Philadelphia in a large apartment complex and I started seeing cats everywhere and it didn't appear like they belonged to anybody so I started feeding them and then I learned how to take care of them and get them spayed and neutered and then I learned about feral cats and how some are not friendly and it just went from there and in it's those kind of like a hobby almost I just I I had such a huge compassion for animals my whole life mm -hmm. So I just felt sorry for these 
skinny cats that didn't have any food and were just wandering the neighborhood. So, uh, and in Philadelphia, there's colonies of cats where they they congregate where somebody's feeding, and they can be upwards to 50 cats in one of those colonies. We don't have colonies that big in Maine, but um, so I started feeding, and next thing you know, I had three colonies. I was feeding 150 cats a day. And getting them all spayed and neutered and bringing the kittens in and finding homes for them all on my own. And fast forward to 30 years later, I've saved over 5,000 cats, almost 6,000 now, and we're still going strong. When did you move to Maine? In 2000, I moved to Maine. Mm -hmm. And uh, were you involved with the Forgotten Felines before that, or you got involved Uh, once you got to Maine? It was always just myself doing it. And actually... uh, we became organized as Forgotten Felines of Maine in 2009. So a group of us decided to... Who was this group? Just other people? Other people who cared about cats like me, yeah. So it's kind of really neat. But in Maine, it took on a whole different... I didn't have colonies of my own to feed, so um, I had to redirect how I was doing it. And uh, we started helping people who are caring for cats out there, just cats in their neighborhood, cats at farms, cats that get dumped off in their yard and weren't spayed, neutered, and started having kittens. So we just, uh, it went really from me taking care of the cats to helping people who do take care of cats. Which brings me to Amber. Yes. Uh, you're one of the people called a fostering parent. That's Is correct. That what you call them? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's kind of the integral part of forgotten, forgotten felines. How did you get here from there? Well, I always followed them on Facebook and visited them on their um, craft shows and things like that. But they had one kitten that I totally fell in love with, and I adopted her. And that was flat out before I was even a foster, and I brought her in. After that, I was part of the group, the group that we have anyway, and they were put out a call for somebody to take kittens into their home. And I was like, hey, I can try. I've got space and I've got time. So I brought in a couple of two little kittens, and it was just so fun to have them in the house. It was hard to let them go because they were my first set of fosters. So when it came to letting them go at the Blue Hill Fair, when I found out that they had a home, I I literally crumbled to the ground and cried. Um, But it turned out that I really enjoy it. I I like having the little kittens in the house. It's fun. It's like having little babies, but then when they get bigger, you can just scoot them away because kittens are always fun. My heart actually goes to the older cats that are sometimes harder to place. I can't bring them in because they never leave. So I always bring in the kittens. So So you've been uh, helping Pam and her organization for how many years? About, what, a year and a half? I'm really oh, newer no. to the group. It's, no? It's been longer than that that it, you've it fostered. Just, you've been fostering for over two years now because you've blends. done two Blue Hill Fairs already. Well, that's true. I've done two yeah. Blue Hill Fairs. Plus, I try to name my kittens by the names of the alphabet, and I'm up to P's. P. I'm up to P's. I like that uh, Sue Grafton novels. That, <laughs> that, that <laughs> helps me kind of keep alphabet. track. <laughs> that's right. And those, those don't include the ones that come from another home that get shuffled because sometimes... Everybody has a specific thing that they can do. Somebody can um, bottle feed where I can't. So if I have a litter that needs a little more help, then they have to go to somebody that can care for them better than I can. So we are always reevaluating where the kittens need to be. And that sometimes is hard, too. I had a mother that gave birth to seven, and they had to leave me because they needed bigger care. 
But at the end, they all came back to me before they got adopted. So I get to snuggle them a little bit more before they okay. went away. So uh, let's talk about forgotten felines of Maine. Why is there a forgotten felines of other states? Uh, well, when we first started, we only named ourselves forgotten felines. And then what happened was we realized there's forgotten felines of Connecticut. Forgotten, I think there's a forgotten felines of every state. Independent. So, of, of independent. Your, okay. That's correct. We're just a very small, small, small group of people. And so uh, we became forgotten felines of Maine. And what is your mission statement? Our mission statement is to help the cats in the neighborhoods, the free roaming cats who don't have a home, whether they're abandoned, stray, feral, homeless. Um, we help those cats. We help the people in the neighborhoods who are caring for those cats. Um, we can provide food when we have it. We'll provide shelters so they can survive these long, cold winters. Um, we offer trap, neuter, and return services for the ferals, and we trap the kittens and bring them into foster care so they can be socialized and become adoptable. So you just it, so you're more than just taking cats and putting them in foster homes. You are working with people who have cats that are not supposed to, that aren't theirs. You're helping them That's do something. With yeah, them. every neighborhood has them. And it's interesting, you use uh, four or five different terms of a cat, abandon, uh, stray, homeless, and feral. Feral. Those and are all very different. And, and they are. Give me a kind of a distinction because people, we all think of a, we all think a cat that doesn't have a home is stray. Everyone, that's, that's right. That's a universal that's stray right. cat. That's right. But a stray cat can be, I could say, homeless, lost, mm -hmm. uh, feral, abandoned. So give me some distinctions uh, in okay. those. So people out there kind of will appreciate when they see a, a cat that's not theirs, what kind of, they, they should think about what kind of cat, what, what circumstances. That's correct. When we get a call that somebody sees a cat out there, um, especially in like the cities like Bangor or wherever, the first thing I have to say to them is that cat might belong to somebody. It might not be lost or it might not be stray. It just might be a neighborhood cat who's roaming. So I always ask people to watch that cat if they see it and if it starts to get skinny, if it starts to have messy fur not kept and not taking care of itself or starts to hang around a lot more, then maybe that is either abandoned cat or uh, a cat that just, yeah, abandoned or got lost. Um, and with lost, um, we always go to Maine. We ask people to go, if, if we contact Maine uh, Lost Cat Recovery, um, because they can, to see if they have somebody wanting a cat, we contact the shelters. Um, but unless a cat, we can never be really sure that a cat is abandoned until they're not in a good situation, they're not looking clean. There's also feral cats. A feral cat is, the term feral just means fear of humans. This is a cat that will not come close to you. Um, it won't even make eye contact with you. And, and a lot of become the, wild. This it's a wild animal. Yeah, it's wild. And a lot of cats, once they've been abandoned, or lost for a long time, they revert back to their feral ways. So those are cats that uh, usually end up in colonies where somebody's feeding. And when we trap them, I always assess them. I can always tell when a cat's trapped and their behavior in the trap if they are feral or if they're just scared. Um, and if they're just scared and I know that we can socialize them, then we'll bring them into our foster care. Otherwise, they'll go back out. Um, so those are some of the differences 
uh, in cats, it's really hard sometimes. The ferals are the easiest to tell because they won't even come up to you. A lot of times people will tell us they have a feral cat, but feral just means, if it's afraid of you, then it's feral. Otherwise, it's not feral. People think feral means born outside. That's not the case. Yes, actually it's becoming wild. It's becoming, yes. And a lot of them are born outside, and they've never had human contact. So, And that's their home. And they need to go back there. They need to go back outside because that's their home. They can't be socialized. That's not a fostering candidate. No, not at all. However, you do catch them and spay and neuter? That's right. And do you vaccinate for rabies? Absolutely. Uh, It's a law in the state, so we do vaccinate. feral or... Homeless cats have to be vaccinated? Absolutely, all cats, yeah. So once they're in our care, we have to vaccinate them. Okay. And we do. And it's a safeguard for them, too. So, yeah. So you were, I guess you'd say you'd respect their situation, knowing that if bringing them into Amber's house, it wouldn't work. No, not at all. I do respect that. And I respect the ferals a lot. My heart goes out to them the most. Um, They're misunderstood. Um, and they do need to live out their lives outside. That is where they belong, and they don't want human contact, but we certainly need to provide them with food and uh, water and that. So we only we don't go around trapping anybody's cat unless they're being cared for by somebody. Do you get uh, people um, with uh, attitudes of, well, feral cats, um, they kill birds I'm, I'm being a devil's advocate they, they kill wildlife they spread disease to other cats that are just outside cats have homes how do you address those kinds of uh, arguments i have found over the years the feral cats are healthy it's they don't have diseases it's crazy it's they're just healthy and i just think it's back to that nature takes care of its own the survival of the fittest um as far as the bird population again feral cats are First, let me backtrack. Humans created this problem. These cats are out there because we didn't spay neuter, we didn't care about them, and they've been left outside and they've formed colonies and they're out there living on their own, so they have to eat. I have found over time, though, that feral cats will not really kill a bird. They will not, they, it's too hard. They get the mice. They're not, I have found that it's the household cats that are let outside that they're not hungry. So they'll take the time to chase a bird. and But again, as far as the ferals go, they live outside just like other wild animals. They're prey and they're predator. So they might kill birds, but they also will be killed by the next bigger animal that's hungry. It's My problem with is that with the household pets that are left outside desecrating the wildlife. So the, the feral cat, before you get them spayed mm-hmm. or neutered, you find a... Uh, a litter. Mm-hmm. So, where, what step, what happens next? So, someone calls you, there's a, a cat in their garage that has litter, it's clearly feral or homeless right. or abandoned. Uh, so, your objective is what? When you, when Our you have objective that is so, first of all, assess the situation. Um, we'll just go back to last week. Um, last week, I got a call, well, I got a call a few weeks ago. Uh, from a gentleman who had called the local ACO, and uh, the ACO referred them to us, and he called me, and he said he was he, he was not feeding this cat, but it was a, a cat in his yard that had had five kittens. Now, I won't say where this was, but it was over 100 miles away from me. So last Sunday, a volunteer and myself, we drove up there, and we saw just the mama cat. 
So we set three kitten traps and a, an adult cat trap. We waited in the van for about an hour and a half, nothing. So we went into town and had lunch, and when we came back, we had the mama. So we loaded up the mom in the car, and then we set the kitten traps. And then I showed the gentleman how to set them and and gave him more food so he could replenish the food in the morning if we didn't have any kittens, and that I would come up as soon as there would be a kitten. <clears throat> so by the time I got home, I could tell the mama was friendly. She was a friendly cat. So you assess that she's not feral. She's not feral at okay. all. So, so you don't know if she's homeless, has a home? That's correct. Okay. But I also know the situation. She's been there. He lives out in the willy wags. She's been there since the summer. And so my guess is she is homeless. And at this point, we will not look for her to see where her home is. Um, so on Monday, three kittens were trapped. We drove back up there. Tuesday, one more was trapped. We drove back up there, <laughs> got that one. And then he, that was four kittens. And he said originally there were five, but in the last month he had only seen four. So I said to him, doesn't mean it's not there. I'm going to leave you a trap. So I left him a trap, and on Thursday afternoon I got a call, and he said, I see the fifth kitten out there. I said, set the trap. He had him in a half hour. But it was really bad weather. So he kept it in his bathroom for me, and I drove up. <clears throat> excuse me, and I got it on Friday. So my entire week was just trapping this one colony. The kittens, seeing they never had human contact, are feral. How old were they at that? About seven weeks. Okay. They are now placed in, there's five of them, and they're in four different foster homes um, being socialized. And then I have the mama who we will get vetted, and we will find her home. We will not return her. So, uh, Amber, what what is a foster home? What is it? It's a safe place for the kittens to become familiar with humans. Um, I'm good with the semi-ferals like Pam was mm -hmm. just talking to. I have a very busy household. I have, uh, my husband helps, my daughter helps. We're there, I'm not working right now, so I'm there 24 seven. So there's a lot of opportunity for socialization. For a cat like Pam was just talking about a kitten, it's not, a super friendly kitten that you can just romp around. You need to give it time. When I bring in a kitten such as that, I put it in a playpen by itself, I cover it over, I provide its basics for about a couple of days. I just let it get used to the sounds of the house, get used to the smells of the house. I mean, I have cats of my own. I have a dog. So they have to learn that Yes, it's a new environment for them. So I'm not right at them going, oh, look, it's a new kitten. I give them time to adjust. And the goal for a kitten like that is really the first step is when you open the playpen, because we keep them in a playpen. I have a playpen in the living room. So I feed them. And when I open the playpen, if they come to the side of the playpen and not bolt to the other side, that's a sign that they're starting to trust you. That's a sign that they're starting to recognize that you are their caregiver and you are their, their person. So once they start doing that, then I will start working on picking them up. And they will start to push against you because they want to bolt. That's their natural reflex. They don't know what being held is. They don't. So again, I just hold them gently and kiss them and put them back in the playpen. I respect their space because I can't force myself on them. And eventually, because I will say I'm pretty good at this, they get to the point of my my form of, of rejoicement is when they physically relax in your arms. You can feel them. 
You can feel them sigh. And you, you can know feel you, them you've made some progress. lean into you. You can okay. feel that they're not trying to get away. So that's what I do when I bring in a kitten such as that. And it can take weeks. I have a kitten in my care right now that is still bolting away from me. And it will happen. It will be on her time, not mine. This is Let's Talk Animals from Aardvarks to Zebras, Dr. John Hunt. We are at WERU 89.9 in Orland, Maine, and our lines are open, 469-0500. If you're not in the state streaming from Florida, for all we know, it could be 207-469-0500. My engineer, John, is waiting for your calls. Love to have some questions. You mentioned um, at this point you're, you're not working. Um, so foster homes, there are some criteria that would discount you from being a foster home. There's certain things in a home that you would like, for instance, if everyone in the, in the home was working 12 hours a day, is that a home that you would recommend foster home? Well, first off, let me say, excuse me, <clears throat> the foster homes, foster, our foster homes are the backbone of forgotten felines. Uh, we can't do this work without our foster homes. Uh, because if we don't have foster homes, then we can't rescue more. We don't have a facility, so the foster homes are critical. As far as people that we would discount, I, I'm open to anybody to foster. I wouldn't want somebody who had uh, unruly children, uh, vicious animals in the house. Um, but as far as people who work all day, that doesn't discount you. We have a lot of foster families who work all day. But they need to have the time when they get home at night because you're going to need to spend a couple hours with that kitten um, at night. So, And then on the weekends they spend. So really, um, we're open to almost anybody. As long as you have, uh, we, we provide a playpen for you. It's a pet playpen for the kitten to be in and everything that they need. So. You don't even need to have your own private room. You just because we actually like the playpens out in the living area, so the kitten can sit and watch that people are going by. Because if we don't socialize these kittens, we can't get them adopted. Correct. And we've socialized over 100 kittens already this wow. year. We have a, a caller, Paul from Medway. Good morning, Paul. Good morning. Your questions or comment? Yes, my comment is how you encourage the feral cat. I have to speak up in defense of the wild community, that the feral cat is not to be released into the wild or even in town. Rachel Carson recorded the impact of cats on birds and, and mammals. And my own observation as a cat owner and lover is that they have no place in the wild community. I have no young rabbits or partridge on top of all the other birds that I may be missing in my rather suburban area. Uh, I have seen cats released here by the score, by the unresponsible cat owner. I admire your speaker for caring for cats the way she does. I hope she gets them all into foster care and out of the wild community. Thank you very thank, much. Thank you, Paul. That That is a controversial area of what uh, the impact of feral cats. I think uh, one thing that is uh, I think Paul would agree with, no matter what cat you deal with, you're spaying and neutering and that and rabies shot. And that, as a veterinarian, I'm talking, is is critical because what that will do is hopefully uh, eventually reduce the, the feral cat population by by reducing reproduction. So this is a long-term goal that I hope Paul can 
uh, can appreciate that. Uh, his, what he's, uh, he referred to is, is not incorrect, it's correct, but also Pam's observations are reality too. So we kind of have uh, a biphasic view of the feral cat, and I kind of agree with both. But I think the main thing that I see with you is, is this uh, reducing the population by spay-neutering, which is, is critical. Thank you, Paul, for that uh, advice or that comment. Um, so if getting back to our homes, our foster homes, uh, so people working all day, it's, it's, it takes a lot of time. To be. Time. It's such a huge time commitment. And that, that's something that any any person out there listening should know. Uh, you can just tell by Amber's story that yeah. there's uh, she spends a lot of time. But, right. she, but you can have a job and spend the Absolutely. time. Oh, yes. And some kittens will socialize quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some kittens take will take a month or so to socialize. Uh, so uh, you just need to have the time commitment. And you have to have the passion for cats. I mean, you have to want to help because it is such a time commitment. It's not a financial commitment. Some of our foster homes do provide the food and they but they do not have to. Uh you can be a foster parent at no uh, financial expense to you. The the um forgotten felines helps out. We pay for everything. Everything uh, meaning what? Uh we get the playpen. First we buy the playpen. We have there's the pee pads and litter box, litter, food. <clears throat> and uh so all that, and we, we use very good food. Uh, these cats are coming from not always the best situations. Uh, the cat that we just helped, the cats I just helped last week, we actually trapped at two colonies last week, but the cats that we did help last week, he wasn't feeding them. And uh, on occasion, he would throw out uh, stale bread to them. Uh, so they were very uh, hungry when they got into our care. So we believe that uh, better food is is uh is key imperative yeah yeah we get criticized for the cost we spend on food sometimes but i think it's really important so so a donation um either by a company or individual that's how you survive by donations strictly by donations no grants or state or county or town or anything like that all by donations and And we do a lot of events we do a lot of bake sales we do a lot of craft shows seasons coming up so we do a lot of craft shows we go to all the cat shows uh, in Massachusetts, New Hampshire, and Maine, uh, to raise awareness and to uh, sell things. We have a lot of uh, uh, supporters who make things for us. So some of our volunteers, they craft, so they make oh, okay. cat beds and cat toys and pot holders and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So it's and much more than it. just fostering. I mean, yeah. there's, there's a whole group of people in this organization that help. It's not just taking kittens in to help. We're always looking for people to knit or crochet or sew. Yeah. So it's more than just that. Even just to buy a case of food and donate it to the organization, that's that's crucial. So you so have people that are out there trying to get money for support. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And any other, what other jobs are there besides being a foster and, well, your, your job, how many people do your job, which is, means going out and getting the <laughs> cats? <laughs> You yourself she has and some great helpers. She's got yeah. two in Bangor that are crucial. Yeah, they'll run. All, yeah. yeah, they are on. Uh, they're amazing. But we all really do work together as mm-hmm. an organization. We I mean, we're small, so yeah. we all just work together. And we might need somebody to transport. Like uh, next week, we're f- getting four cats out of the the last four cats out of one of our colonies, uh, spayed, and so. Uh, 
spayed and neutered, and I'm going to look for people to be transporting. Because one of our biggest problems is we don't just deal with Bangor. We are all over the place, and our foster homes are all over the place. We're in Augusta. We're in Machias. We're in Ellsworth. We're in Bangor. We're in Bradford. So it's tough. It's a lot of driving, a lot of driving. I put over 1,000 miles on in last week, so... And we, so, sh- we shuttle back we and shuttle forth. And we shuttle, we shuttle. I mean, I had a kitten dropped off this morning so I could bring it to Pam today so she can take it to Massachusetts. Is that where you're going this New weekend? Uh, Connecticut. Connecticut. And it's foster so. in a, one of, actually, one of our, the cat show judges who actually lives in Maine is adopting the kitten. But because she lives in Portland, it's going to be easier for me to take her down to Hartford for her to pick the kitten up. Quite a network. So, it's quite. Yeah. So you network with the other uh, forgotten felines as well in the other states or is no, this all no, some, this no, is just this us is just, it's just us. people who are in maine that just so happen to be living in connecticut well she's actually judging a cat show in connecticut oh, and we're going down there we're down there we're gonna have a booth to raise money so just, we're just taking the kitten down there for her to pick up so the money basically just so people know because when i donate i like to know kind of where my dollar goes mm-hmm. um is 100 percent towards helping the foster parents bring them up that to, and and everything else that everything goes with else. it what for else? all the what cats else? we have in our care. I mean, what else uh, goes into it? Well, we have uh, transportation costs. We have uh, medical bills, trash costs. Our vet bills oh, are vet bills. astronomical. Oh, yeah. So and that's uh, even after most vets give you a break, or not? They don't give you a break. We don't get much of a break. Uh-huh. I mean, this is not. We're in northern part of Maine. We're yeah, not I in know. I had Portland. A business, I had a vet clinic here, but so um, um, you weren't as. Um, that's correct. We had just you weren't really, really around when I because I, right, I retired exactly. four years ago. So. Yeah, you helped us. You helped us out. But I mean, the even then, vets they can only do so much. There's, so. there's only because they have to. Yeah, there's, absolutely. We all have costs, and there's a lot yeah. of costs. You know, there's there's so many costs that you don't think of hitting costs, but. Um, yeah, but vet care is huge. Yeah. Because so, yeah. if our kittens get sick, if a foster home actually, I got a message from a foster home last night, and she's like, she's got he's got weepy eyes. And I'm like, get them to the vet. we got to get them to the vet. We don't wait. So we're going to talk about vet care and some more fostering care on the other, the other side of our break. So let's talk animals. I'll be right back. back on the other side uh, this is let's talk animals from aardvarks zebras dr john hunt your host please call at 469-207-469-0500 we are live today so please call in if you have any questions um, about fostering cats i have here pam hansbury from the forgotten felines of maine and amber harvey one of the foster parents who is a in, both integral part of, of this program of trying to help our our abandoned, stray, homeless, feral cats. Uh, and I'm going to start right off with uh, Karen from Deer Isle. Good morning, Karen. How are you? Good morning. Um, I have a question about the kittens for possible 
um, adoption. Is there a place that we can go and look at the kittens? Is there a website where we can have a look at the little critters and see if we don't visually fall in love and then make connections from that point, please? That's a very good question because we wanted to get to that at the adoption part. We haven't even talked about it. Uh, thank you, Karen. That's a fantastic question. Okay, thank you. Hi, Karen. Uh, unfortunately, because we do not have a facility, all the kittens are in foster homes, and the kittens can be, we have foster homes right now in Augusta, um, Ellsworth, Penobscot. Penobscot. They're all over the place. So when somebody wants to see a kitten, um, there's nowhere for them to go. Um, so, and we never know when they're going to be available for adoption. They're not cute, cute, cuddly little kittens that just come to our care and we're like, they're six weeks old and in eight weeks they'll be ready for adoption. So we can't just put them on our website because we just don't know when they'll be available. But we do have adoption events at least once and some, and many times twice a month at Pet Life in Bangor. And uh, that's advertised on our Facebook page, and that's where people can come if they're interested in adopting. Since we're not a shelter, we don't have the volume of kittens that probably need homes as the shelters do, so we only ever have a few at a time. We currently have 25 kittens in our care, and we do have an adoption event in November two Saturdays 3rd. from now on November 3rd at Pet Life in Bangor. And... Um, We'll have probably only five or six kittens then because the rest are just not old enough and not socialized enough. So it's tough. And one of the reasons that we do the cat shows is it's really hard for us to adopt out any of the adults that we have. We never have a lot, but we definitely have the mamas. Uh, like I just got that friendly mama last week. So at the cat shows, we can bring the adults for adoption and people can come see them. And so that's how we do our adoptions. That's 100% of the way? That is almost 100% you don't, use the, you don't use the internet or anything? No, we don't need to. We just don't have the volumes. Our biggest thing is trap, neuter, and return, where the ferals get spayed and neutered and they go back outside. Um, so we never have volumes and volumes of cats and kittens for adoption like the shelters have. So, but And it seems to be working. These it does of... work for us. It's mm -hmm. easier than uh, having to have to open up the foster homes for somebody to come or for us. We're very small. And when I say we're very small, we're, we're just a small group of people that want to help. So we don't have the manpower to go into the foster homes and get the pictures and get them up on website. There's just nobody to do all that work. So over the years, we found that this is just the easiest way. And it works for us 100%. If, if you had more uh, money and someone to do it would would a online um serve it would that be something no, you would even be interested in or no i don't just kind of like the way the way it's going yeah, on yeah exactly okay. because it's really good for us to get into the public eye because we are small anyway so and when we do those adoption events we also uh bring our full line of cat toys that we make and sell and so people can stop by because they're always wanting to buy our catnip toys which are in lots of vet offices in the area anyway and so um it's also a way for us to make some money because we only charge 50 dollars to adopt our kittens and cats and then they are spayed neutered and given their baby shot so it's a really good deal but we just don't have the volume so when when people come the other thing is a face-to-face -face kind of thing yeah, Which I is, like meeting people face-to-face. -face, yeah, because so. yeah, it helps you and helps them. It does. makes it, it does. more real. Right. right. And our foster homes are there. Amber, I had a couple so of... some of the foster parents like you are. Yeah, I had a couple of kittens and a foster, uh, Ben, a couple weeks ago. And 
they came back to me. They were the only two that didn't get adopted, and they were the only two that didn't have the representative of the foster mom. So it, they came back, and they're up for adoption again at November 3rd, so I'm going to make sure that they're there and try to really hope to get them adopted because it helps for the potential adopters to talk to somebody that's actually lived with a cat. And of course, when you look at a kitten at an adoption event, it's again in an unusual environment. It might not necessarily be its true soul or its true self, and it may not react the same way. Some do, some don't. But if I'm there, then I can contest that this cat, yes, is a little nervous, but once you get it and hold it purrs or it's not necessarily a lap cat, if you're looking for somebody to snuggle with you, it doesn't necessarily mean that later in life it won't be, but right now it's not a curl up in your lap kind of kitty. So it helps for the potential adopters to see and hear where that kitten had lived and what it had and you can tell him, oh, he to. loves it under the chin, right? Or, or he doesn't. He likes the string toes. So that that's very helpful. Kind of mm-hmm. gives you a little yeah. bit of a. It's like a resume. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. And that that'll give them a, a heads a couple steps ahead. Yep. Instead of trying to discover what the cat likes, that's a good idea. Correct. So most foster, do most fostering parents try to go to the events? Absolutely, they love these kittens. They love these kittens, so they are very instrumental in getting them homes. Besides the uh, fifty dollars. Um, there are some shelters that people have to fill out financial forms and where they live and do they rent. Um, is that something you do? We have an adoption application that needs to be filled out. What kind of information is in that adoption um, application? It Well, of course, your information. It asks if you have any current pets, what vet you use, um, because it's certainly... Um, a red flag if they don't have a vet and they have four animals at home. Um, uh, what their expectations are of bringing a new kitten into their home. Uh, kittens aren't always easy. And uh, what you're going to feed it. And some of the questions are just really to give you thought, to make you think about, wow, I want a kitten, but maybe I didn't think about who's going to play with it, who's going to feed it, what we're going to. So it's just basic questions like that. Do you own your home? Do you rent it? Um, just things like that. It makes people step back and think about this process. They are adopting a living creature. So, so are there times where you, a person comes to one of these adoptions, you, you have your cat, Amber, and you're there, and they, they're ready with the $50. They fill out their form, and you look it over, and you go, whoa, we see some red flags. How do you handle that? We usually notice those red flags before they fill out the adoption application uh, because we're speaking to the people. Um, we have some things that, like, we don't want kittens to go where there's no other pets in the home. They need a friend. So once we're talking to people and engaging them, uh, what happened to your last cats and things like that. So it's very rare that somebody comes to us, though, and doesn't get that we don't adopt to. That just doesn't happen often. It usually happens more in, not at adoption events, it usually happens more in situations like maybe at the fair, at the Blue Hill Fair. Mm. We do a lot of adoptions there. They're not always should some people just like some people aren't old enough and they're right. there they're like 19 and they want a kitten and they live with mom and dad well unless mom and dad are there to say this is okay you're not getting a kitten so you're so. you're you're not afraid to say this is not the right time or oh no not no. at all no pants no. not at all no. no i used to be not anymore they do need to come with a carrier, though. It's surprising how many people come to events <laughs> expecting to take a kitten home and carry it out the door 
without a carrier. And that's a hard, fast rule as well. You have to have a hard-sided carrier to take these kittens home. It's it's a necessity. You don't. So, mm -hmm. but if they come to the adoption fair, uh, they're not going to know they're going to adopt it. They're not going to bring a carrier. Right. We loan them out sometimes. Oh, okay. We always yeah. have loaner carriers. Oh, no, we're usually at the pet store, so they can buy a oh, carrier. There you go. <laughs> or they run to Walmart real quick. Oh, okay. So that's, that's not it's, a, it's not that's an a issue. small hurdle. It is exactly. a small hurdle. We oh. always. It just is surprising that, you know, they know I want that kitten, and all of a sudden they're like, no, we don't have a carrier. Well, okay. I know. <laughs> so, and, but sometimes people don't know they're coming, but you never know. It's funny. So when you do have a cat that's adopted, they've paid the money blah 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 so all the cats that are adopted first of all is there they're all different ages yeah however if there's a kitten like a 12 week old kitten uh you haven't spayed it yet that's correct so um how do you what's the make what's the logistics well we're in the process of that right now with all of our spring <laughs> kittens it's like i'm getting I phone calls getting left and right today. <laughs> yeah. oh you have two kittens I, oh, two. and i dropped two off and you dropped one off so um so uh we just we try to work with the people's veterinarian that they have established um and that's not always possible but we do work with several vets so uh we just use one of those vets we call them when they're it's they're old enough or they'll most people usually call me before so if time. you if i if and john people, smith adopts yeah. a cat 12 week old cat and yeah. goes to goolsboro we'll just say that uh you have john smith's number and know yes. when to call so you're going to call him up yep on yep December 1st because that's when the cat yeah, needs to be spayed exactly and then you come pick them up nope they I call they, the vet and give them the name and then I let them handle making the appointment at their convenience they do it okay we used to pick them up but we don't do that anymore we don't have the time and they and the will the vet give them a break because uh, well, a, we'll have to pay the same price. We we pay the price. We pay the cost. Oh, you pay of it. the cost. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. That fifty dollars. You know, the fifty dollars for years, I never charged anything. Um, but I realized by charging fifty dollars, kittens aren't free. No animals free. Just food alone. So by paying the fifty dollars, it just uh, shows a part of a responsibility. Right. And, and yeah, so that's, yeah. That's but we good. pay the cost to get them vetted once they're old enough. So then they get they could spade in the owner. Then after that, once they get spayed in the initial vaccines, then you're you're not part of that life anymore. That's correct. You're not involved. Right. Unless, okay. Unless they don't want to keep the kitten and they call us. So what happens that. there? Well, we take it back. Take them back. <laughs> Could it be months, years? Yeah. We've taken, just uh, last year, we took in two four-year-olds that we had adopted out. Really? They yeah. were moving. Uh, that's, that's another question I want to talk about, abandonment. You must get increased abandonment at the end of the summer. Um, we, well... Because I don't notice people. it that much. Yeah, oh, that's good. we don't get a lot of calls for that. I bet the shelters do, though. I bet yeah. it's crazy for them. What we get is this time of year. The people who have been feeding the mother cat out there in their yard with the little kittens all summer, now they're worried winter's coming, and they're calling us to take them. Oh. Well, now we've got a mother cat and seven feral four- or five-month-old kittens. They can't come. They're not going to be socialized at that point. They can be, don't get me wrong, but it's going to take a year. We don't have that kind of... Any kitten over three months, we spay, neuter, and we put right back out because we don't have the time or the place to socialize them. Um, one of the things, and I try to tell people that I started this because I lived in an apartment complex in Philadelphia where I saw cats everywhere. I cared. Um, so I stepped up to the plate. You know, we always say somebody has to do something that somebody can be you. So 
we can't help anybody right now. We are just strapped. Um, and we're getting a calls every day for the mother cat and the seven kittens out there. Um, you've been feeding them all summer. You're going to have to continue feeding them all winter, but maybe you could figure out to trap them and borrow a trap, loan a trap, um, help get them spayed, neuter, call around. There will be vets that will help individuals um, in situations like that. Like, don't always look to a small organization or even shelters for that help you need. We're all strapped. Uh, there's so many cats, so many animals, and the shelters and the rescue groups can only do so much. So maybe instead of saying somebody has to help, think and say, oh, I could be that somebody and try to help because it just can't come on all of our backs. It's too much. So when a situation like that comes in, do you, um, do you, do you counsel them over a long period of time? It's just not a one phone call. Right. No, I do. I try to help. I try never to. How are you doing this week? How are you doing this month? Okay, that's. I never try to just say, we can't help and put the phone down or message them back and say, we can't help. Um, We actually have a situation in Bucksport right now and there's nothing we can do. We just cannot take in these cats. And um, he has the mail he'd like to get neutered right away before winter. So we're going to pay to do that. He'll do the work, though. He's going to do the trapping. He's going to do it. Um, That's just it. We just can't do all the work. So. We're willing to work with him, and over time, we can provide him with food, and we'll see how it goes, how the kittens are doing and everything, and where we can go from there. And who knows, you know, by winter when things slow down, we might be able to help more, but it's just too many cats needing help. As a foster parent, do you have uh, do you have a desire to ask uh, Pam, can I have this cat? Can you choose the foster can you choose the cats that you want, or do you have to take what you get? I we pretty, it doesn't matter. Well, it, I guess we, I guess we take what we get. Pam is pretty good at matching kittens to where they need to be. She knows the foster home. She knows who is good with what type of cat. Um, there are times that I right now I have six fosters at my house. And I have a few of them that will be going to the adoption event, and one definitely will not because she still does not come to the side of the playpen. And do I get to keep the cat? The goal is to not keep the cat. But have I? Yes, I have. One of the first litters that I had, um, one of the kittens stayed with me. His name is Pidge, and he's a love. But ever since Pidge, I've never kept a kitten. What I have kept are the mama cats that came in that gave birth or had problems in the house that I didn't want them to start over someplace else. Or a older semi-feral cat that took so long to warm up to me that by the time I was able to touch her, I took her to get spayed and then we started the cycle all over and she wouldn't come near me for another four months. By that time, I don't want her to start over with someone else. So that's when I kept Francis. So I don't want to keep the kittens. That's not my goal. My daughter the other day, there was one that she really wanted. I can't remember which one now. I've been through so many this summer. It's like, I am not keeping this kitten. I am not keeping this kitten. And it, the, like I said, my goal is to not to keep them. My goal is to love them, cherish them, care for them, nurture them, socialize them, and let them go to their forever home. Does it make me sad? Yes, but it also makes me proud to know that I was able to do that or the other foster parents were able to do that and to just 
do what they're supposed not supposed to do that's the wrong word do what's good for us so and them and them so so someone out in our listening audience who's thinking about being a foster parent um i guess that's kind of a uh something that they need to to grapple with is that there's going to be a sad time yep but also it's going to be bittersweet yep because you're helping the cat find i, I like that term forever home uh that kind of gives you a a, a, a goal right so you don't think that's been a that that's not a deterrent to continue to be fostering. No, it isn't. Letting going all letting go all the kittens. We have a almost, foster. It's almost a happy thing. Right. It's we almost have like a- this is cool. I I, I did this. Right. And it's now a success. this family's going to have a cat that I that you saw. Yep. Was scared to death hiding in the corner under a dresser or something. Yeah, because they bolted and I couldn't get it in time, and it took me three days to trap it in my <laughs> own bedroom. So. <laughs> I had to set a trap in my own bedroom. Did you find places in your room you didn't know it existed? Mm-hmm. Yes, pretty that's where much. The cat was, yeah. Oh yes, pretty much. It's like flashlight and everything for three days. Yeah, where are you? <laughs> so and you can't have that in a new home. So no, by no. the time you adopt them, they're not like that anymore. Correct. And, and I if, think they, if they still are, then you don't adopt them out, right? Correct. Either, that's right. So a non-responsive cat. Then that's why I try to I try to assess that at three months we put them back out because yeah. we can't be stuck with all these cats yeah. that don't have homes so it's tough it's hard it's a hard call we get criticized for letting them go back out at three months but it's harder to to socialize them and that's how Amber ended up with Francis so but I think for the foster homes one of the things about being at the adoption events you get to meet the people who are adopting and it makes you feel better mm-hmm. it makes you feel better you know where they've gone. And, and I, I see a lot of the foster homes and the new adopted parents exchanging Facebook name messages, like or emails, so they can stay in touch. You see the little get that first picture. Or, yeah, you see the mom going. I had a cat that looked just like yeah. this, and it passed away a year ago. And I can't believe I found another one. And it just it just makes that feeling yeah. of rejoicement. If have you thought of other options? Again, being devil's advocate. Uh, other options besides letting them go like the cats that can't be um you feel can't be in a home giving them to a no-kill shelter is one i mean other are there other options have you explored i guess my question have you explored other options besides letting them go there's another rescue group in maine who wants to start a sanctuary i applaud them for that and my goal years ago was to start a sanctuary guess what will happen to a sanctuary it will fill up. There's not enough space for all the cats. Then what happens when they fill it, when you fill up? So as long as there's a feeder, at, at, we don't just release these cats back out to the wild. They go back where they've been living, and somebody's feeding them, giving them water, oh, their shelter. Okay. We are not picking cats up off the street. Mean, no, never. I mean, if that, if that's, yeah. we help the people who are caring for these free-roaming cats. So uh, they go back there where they will be cared for. So it's kind of the same situation as a barn situation. They're cared for at the barns. We help a lot of farms uh, because cats get overrun at farms yeah. and people drop. That's a good dumping yeah, it's spot. Yes, very, very popular. So we help spay neuter those cats too at, at farms. We work with a lot of farms right now. and um, But somebody cares for them. So they're not out there struggling. We would never do that. If we, I have ferals who live with me. They did not have a place to go back to where someone was going to care for them. So they're at my house. So, yeah. But as a, other options, 
there's only so many barns and most barns have enough cats. There's sanctuaries would fill up. No-kill shelters fill up. No-kill shelters now when people call, they're, they're full. They can't take any because they are full. All shelters are full. There's too many cats. <laughs> it's sad. This is Let's Talk Animals, Dr. John Hunt, your host. We're talking to Pam Hansberry and Amber Harvey. Uh, they're part of the Forgotten Felines of Maine. Uh, we have just a couple more minutes, so if you have a question, we have about five minutes. If you have a question that you want to ask them or comments, call 207-469-0500. So we go back to the individual citizen responsibility. That seems to be the, is that something you try to encourage when you talk to people? We do. I mean, the big thing is spay-neuter. Yep. We have to get these pets spayed-neutered. You know, you let your male cat out there to roam. Um, I mean, one female and one male cat, I mean, thousands, hundreds of thousands of cats in their lifetime with their offspring producing. So it goes simply back to spay-neuter. Um, you have to spay and neuter your pet. Um, or one that you're feeding and outside. They compl- and, or that one, one that you're feeding outside or just do the right thing and get them spayed and neutered. It's better for them health-wise, but we have to care about uh, the overall. We have to care about what happens to the offspring of these cats. Um, we see horrible things. I see horrible things all the time. We don't talk about it. We don't post it on our Facebook account. But it's all because these cats are not spayed and neutered, and there's too many. There's not enough resources to help them all. Um, so, yeah, but unfortunately, I've done this work for over 30 years, and I've seen no change. I remember when I was 20, in my 20s, I thought I could change the world. We're going to get this spade neuter under control, and it's still the same. So it comes back to people needing to be responsible for their pet. How can one get a, a cat trap? What, what, you talk about trapping. Yeah, humane traps. Humane trap. What, yep. where, what kind and where would you get them? You mentioned kitten traps, too. Yep, they come, they come in all sizes. You can you order them online. You can buy them at Tractor Supply sells them. Um, you can borrow them from shelters. You can borrow them from us. Are they the classic um, have-a-heart? With yep, the they're two? the have-a-hearts. There's all different kinds now, but have-a-heart, yeah. Which is your favorite? Uh, have-a-heart. I still like them. Which is like the them. wire, uh, long, kind of oblong. Yeah, they're just rectangular. made better. They trip better, and yeah. Okay, so I hope that uh, that was a question that was asked uh, where yeah. you get them. Yeah, on, just about any answer you can say online. Yeah, I know. It's, <laughs> it's true. Amazon, it's true. Whatever. But you can. But most shelters supply. have them and to loan out, and some vet offices have them. Yes, so they do. Ask okay. around. And uh, animal control. People. Animal control people. Animal control is a great resource yes, for things like that. they're great people. They are. They are great people. And again, they can only do so much. Mm-hmm. So people need to step up and try to, you know, try to help. There was a study down in Florida they, uh, about trying to figure out what's needed to, to control cat population. And what they did is they took one little region, uh, like a neighborhood or whatever, and they just, they went in and just trapped every everybody and spayed and neutered, and that was the only way. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just a, right. a, an intense yep. spay and neuter. We've not, seen it at our colonies. Yep. So you can, but the problem is out in this area, everyone's so scattered, mm-hmm. you may miss a male, mm-hmm. they'll impregnate. That's right. uh, so maybe the nature of our, um, the way we're living in terms of a rural area, maybe that's why you're not seeing the kind of um, advancements that you wanted. Well, overall, I just think uh, nationally, it's just, I mean, things have changed. And with the colonies that we do work with, with trap, neuter, and time, over time, the colony 
you know, once everybody's spayed and neutered, they die off. So, so it you does do see, lessen so you the have puppy. Seen that. Okay. Yeah, you do see it. Okay. But um, again, the message again too, um, it, and a lot of people like to feed their cats, the stray cat, because they're they're doing, they think they're they're being nice and humane. Well, I think. But it your is message is take the next step. Yes, feed absolutely. Them, spay neuter, yeah. spay neuter, rabies shot. Yep. And then you can continue yep. to feed them and not worry about more kittens and That's cats right. where they're calling you. Right. <laughs> any kind of, um, before we, we leave, any kind of funny, unusual experience you've had as a foster parent or you guys have <laughs> I've been thinking about left? that for a couple of days to figure out. It, kittens are kittens. I mean, they're just so much fun. And my favorite thing in the morning is when I open the bedroom door, because usually my husband's up earlier, so he goes and opens the playpen and plucks them all out and lets them run. I open the bedroom door. I'm the one that feeds them. And all of a sudden, you hear these little feet running down the hall going, prum, 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 <laughs> and they all, congrat- they all come around me around the bedroom, and then they follow me down the hall like, hey, you're going to feed us. You're going to feed us. Weaving in and out of your feet. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. Trying to kill you. And my my foster cat that failed they're called ffff forgotten felines foster fails francis the only time she lets me pet her is when i'm in the bathroom i get up i go in the bathroom she runs right in like hi what are you doing that's the only time she'll let me pet <laughs> the rest her. of the day she's... nope she won't let me touch her hmm. so very particular yeah very particular but no kittens are just a lot of fun everybody wants kittens but there's also olders that need help sometimes and that's that's where I go is the older cats. Anything unusual that you can? The short story you got one minute. No, but I could write a book. Uh, you should. <laughs> I can't think of one right this second. You should start writing. Yes. I want to do. I want to write. So yeah. Maybe you two could work together. Stories. Didn't you yeah. just write a book? I know. Oh. oh, you have plenty of stories. I imagine. <laughs> I do. Uh, something. Any other stray questions I had? We talked about expenses, and um, I think we've covered everything. I think the main message is. The Forgotten Felines of Maine is an organization that's trying to help prevent overpopulation of cats. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's the two ends of it, adopting a cat from Forgotten Felines and being a foster parent to help bring the cats up so they become adoptable. Correct. And then the education of if you're going to uh, start feeding a, a wild cat, uh, take that extra responsibility of just not feeding them but spay and neuter them, mm-hmm. and that will help your cause as well, Pam. Exactly. Amber, thank you for coming. Thank you. And uh, we, con- oh, where can you contact? How can the, my listeners contact you? Uh, well, we have a Facebook page. Uh, it's Forgotten Felines of Maine. Uh, we have an email, ForgottenFelinesOfMaine at gmail.com. And, but on the Facebook page, all of our information is there. Okay. And we accept so, donations by PayPal. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So, so, yeah, I, but everything's right on that Facebook page. Good, good. Well, it's been delightful. Thank you. And I wanted to, to thank you again for taking your time. Thank you. Remember, next month is the uh, Encore on Turkeys. This is Dr. John Hunt for Let's Talk Animals from Aardvarks to Zebras. And remember, enjoy your pet and don't forget to give them a hug. seconds we'll be going to on the wing 
Before that, and in a few seconds we've got before that, let's take a quick look at the weather. Today, high of 44. Tomorrow, high of 44. And Saturday, high of 42. Now, it's going to be a chance of snow and then rain, likely, on Saturday. But today and tomorrow, mostly clear, except for partly cloudy tomorrow night, with a high on uh, Saturday of 42, and the weekend, the rest of the weekend, a high of 51, rain likely on Sunday. So that's the way it's going to be. Support for WERU comes from our listeners and from Launchpad, presenting Rushad Eggleston, string instrument player, on Friday, November.